0: Let's look at the passage, John eight forty four 44, and let me read it to you. Uh, Jesus is saying this to a group of Jewish people. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has not stood in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of liars. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, Lord, if you prompt me with it, I wanna be obedient to speak to it. You look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm your teacher, I'm your preacher, and upon me is a great judgment, a more strict judgment than anybody in this room, and I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word and your truth. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach, amen. You can be seated, it's good to see you. Good crowd today. It being the summer, good crowd in the early service. Uh, I was really glad to see you and if you're a guest here, I'm Jeff Eaton, I'm the pastor here at Hope Church and so we want you to be welcome. Uh, Hopefully after the service I have a chance to meet you, I'll be in the altar so I'd love to see you, get to know you. Uh, last Sunday we started in John chapter eight. I told you the sermon was going to have to be broken into part one and part two because it is—it was way too much to give in one sermon. So if you uh, if you 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 may have to catch up and get on our podcast, our webpage, or our app and uh, listen to the podcast of last Sunday to catch you up with what is handling this Sunday. Uh, because it, it's really two sermons that go together. We're focusing on freedom, uh, a, a focus on freedom during the month of July. And uh, today we're gonna be handling an encounter between uh, Jesus and some believing Jewish people and what happened. Let me let me go back to last Sunday for just a moment. Uh, in John chapter eight, verse 32 and 36, Uh, Verse 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We're focusing on freedom. Uh, Remember we said freedom is not doing what you want, it's doing what God wills of you. We have the freedom to do what he wills. So uh, it says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, Verse 36, Jesus changes the word truth with the word son, a reference to him. If the son sets you free, you really will be free. So we left last Sunday that truth is a person. Does that mean his word is not true? It is, he's the living word and he is the written word. Actually, I can go one more. He's the spoken word of creation. So he, he is the word. Truth is not a concept, it's not a philosophy, it is not an idea. It is a person and it is the person of Christ. I'll begin uh, what we mentioned last Sunday. I'll begin with this Sunday from Warren Wiersbe. Remember, we're not working for victory. We are working from victory. We're not working to achieve victory. He's already victorious. No amens? Do we need to go out and come back in? Yeah, because I I paused here. I said, wait for the amen. It's written right here in my notes. Um, We're not working toward victory. We're working from victory. Victory has already occurred. (laughs) You want me to go on, so I'm... um, so we, we have some believing Jews in, in John eight, and they're leaning toward Jesus, but there's one major problem. They believe Abraham is greater than Jesus. So they get in a testy conversation back and forth that Abraham is our father, which is gonna to lead to John eight 44 in a moment, but Abraham is our father. But their problem was they're putting Abraham above Jesus. And that can be our problem too. Our problem can be we put family and spouse and job and bank account and new car and whatever. We can put a lot of things on a pedestal that is ahead of Jesus. And this is what they're doing. They're leaning into Jesus, but they still are having Abraham in a higher place than Jesus. Uh, and remember what we said last Sunday, Abraham was a, a father of our faith, but he's not the heavenly father, okay? And that's what Jesus is trying to get them to to be able to understand. So uh, in John 8:44, what I just read to you, um, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say this about the Lord and it, it, it may, I don't, I don't know if you'll have to process it, but Jesus is talking a little smack here, okay? It's getting a little testy. I just want you to know Jesus doesn't always look at you and go, bless your little heart, okay? Jesus has some very tough sayings. One of my favorite books is a, by a man named F.F. F. Bruce. He's a phenomenal scholar and he, the title of the book is The Hard Sayings of Jesus that are very difficult. So he's just not all the time blessing your little heart, okay? Uh, he's talking a little smack with these guys. Now, let's get back to the context of John 8. They're leaning into Jesus, but the problem is they've got Abraham higher than Jesus, and Jesus is going, everybody you're looking for and wanting is right here in me, meaning Christ, and they even say, you don't understand Abraham, you you don't know anything about him, we can tell this, and then Jesus gets a little testy later on in John 8, it's in verses 56, 57, 58, I believe, and he says, I just left Abraham, and Abraham's glad that I'm here. You remember that? He's like, you think I don't know Abraham? I just left him, and he he was applauding my day. He was glad that I'm here, and, they're like, "You don't know Abraham? I just left Abraham." I think that's funny. So in this, he gets a little testy too with them. In, in John 8:44, he's gone, "Okay, you're saying you have a father? Well, let me tell you who your father is. Uh, you are of your father the devil." That's a little smack right there, right? You, you, you think Abraham's your father? Mm-mm, no. Let me tell you something right now and get you going in this sermon. I couldn't wait to get to this sermon this morning. I, I just wanna tell you. I mean, I, if, I almost wanted to jump in the middle of the songs and just take off, you know? Um, but I've been studying this since 1996. If what I'm giving you the last two Sundays, I have spent my life, basically, studying uh, what the enemy does and how he does it and how he works in our lives and how he tries to work in our lives. And, and, and I, 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 I want you to see that one thing the devil is always trying to do is to make sure that you have something else or somebody else in the place of Jesus. Uh, he's constantly doing that because that's what he's constantly doing with himself. We'll get there in just a moment. You are of your father, the devil. The the word devil, Diablos, meaning uh, he's a false accuser. He's always accusing you. Like when you come to Christ, it says you are a brand new creation, but the enemy is going to remind you that you can't be that new creation that Jesus says. You're always gonna be that old, sinful person. That's who you are. Um, uh, for those who don't know me, uh, who are here today, and some of them, we have some first-time guests today, Julie didn't marry a preacher. Julie didn't, when Julie and I got married, I was not a pastor. I was not living for the Lord. I was married to UPS. I was in management with UPS, so I've really been watching their strike going on or about to go on, because that's my old life. But I, in uh, the picture of this, is that uh, I I know what the Lord was doing in my life, but He was always saying. You are not that person. You can't be that person. It's impossible for you to be new. This is who you really are. So even in ministry, when we moved here, uh, beginning uh, in in July of 1994, in this area, and most of you know we're from the Campbellsville area. This is home for us. But uh, I remember when we moved here, Uh, and I met people, some of you all actually, and I said, I'm glad I met you on this side of Jesus and not the other side of Jesus, right? Because a lot of us have an other side of Jesus. And when you come to Christ, when you come to Christ, the devil is going to start accusing you that you can't be that person. You can't be that. You're tainted, you're damaged goods. This is who you're always going to be. And it's not true. That's a false accusation. Look at Revelation twelve ten. Um, it said, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah, Christ, have now come. That's victory, right? Because the accuser of the brothers, mean the accuser here is a reference to Satan, because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out, he is the one who accuses them before our God. How often? day and night. He's constantly bringing accusations. uh, So they're false accusations. It's meant to cause division. It's meant to cause gossip. We have removed people from leadership in this church because they gossiped. We have asked them to step down. Backbiting is uh, being one way towards somebody's face and then later on their discussion of you to somebody else is not even the same. You're doing the devil's bidding when you are beginning the gossip and the backbiting and you're saying, well, preacher, you're just throwing that in there. That's what the word Diablos means. It means you have those accusations. So in John 8, it says that we are carrying out, we are carrying out our Father's desires. Um, that we are carrying out his wishes, his lust, his passions, his plans. We are carrying those things out. Now, I'm gonna give you a three-day retreat conference in about 30 seconds here. We know that uh, Satan was known as Lucifer in heaven. We know that he's a created being. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a high-ranking angel. Uh, he was meant uh, he was created by God and meant to serve God and to be a messenger of God, but something happened. In Isaiah 14, 12 and 14, you may want to write this down. This will help you a little bit. We, we get a, a little bit of a description of what happened to Satan. I want you to see in this verse, before I get into it, we're not only talking that Satan will lie to us. Satan is all the time lying to himself. And I'm gonna show you this in scripture. Shining morning star, you have fallen, and hang on to the word fallen, because we're gonna get to a really right place with that here in a moment. How you have fallen from the heavens, you destroyer of nations, you have been cut down, you have been cut down to the ground. And look at verse 13, you said to yourself, you see that? He lies to himself. And what's even stranger is he believes it. It's kinda crazy. Look what he says to himself. I will ascend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. I will ascend above the highest clouds. He's actually wanting to go beyond where God reigns. I will make myself like the most high. He said that to himself then, he is continually saying that to himself now. He is such a liar that he not only lies to me and you, he lies to himself. He, uh, he, it, it is the, he, he knows we're created in the image of God and yes, he has a problem with that, but more than that, because he's not created in the image of God. We're the only part of creation that is made in the image of God. And he doesn't like that, but more importantly, what he does like is he wants to take the highest of highs. Even Jesus refers to Satan as a prince. He is a prince and a ruler of this world. But listen to me, are you listening? He's a prince but he'll never be a king. But he wants to be a king. But he never will. He won't get any higher than where he is. You know why? Because he's fallen, (laughs) right? He's fallen and he wants to take people with him when it comes to that fall. Back to John 8, 44. Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning. Uh, The word murderer here means man killer. How many of you are Sixty or over? Do I have any? Do I have some of my tribe in here. Good, y'all remember Hall and Oates? That, that song, man, that song by Daryl Hall and John Oates is just going through my head. You know, he's a man killer. You know that? So that, that there's my singing debut. The uh, but it means man killer. And the, the 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 he when Jesus says this, he was a murderer from the beginning. He is talking about the beginning. Theologians across across the board will agree the first murder happened to Adam and Eve. But you're gonna say, well, they didn't die. But yes, they did. It was the first murder which was a spiritual death. So he's been a murderer from the beginning. It was a spiritual death that occurred. Then it led to the first external murder which was Cain killing Abel. Uh, in that picture. Look at Romans 5:12 for just a moment. It says, that, therefore just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all men because all have sinned. It's a picture of the fall of Adam and Eve. And the, the first murder is referred to as a spiritual murder because if you know the passage, then death became a part of their life. Uh, when that happened so satan deals with opposites real clearly i want you to know that he deals with death and god deals with life there's uh, there's the beginning of seeing the opposites look at james 1 14 and 15 what is this sunday number five that i've used this And uh, I've told you some of you who receive this this is great but for those of you who don't want to receive it this is where I cram it in your ear okay doesn't sound like good leadership but I'm gonna give it to you James gives the pattern of sin that Satan uses and it is a step-by-step pattern. If you're one who has spiritual conversations with people, I would love for you to write down James 1, 14 and 15 to use in your spiritual conversations. If somebody's like, oh man, I don't know what Satan wants to do with my life. This is a pattern that he does. But each person is tempted when they are drawn away. I've seen it for 37 years. Uh, he'll draw you away from the people of God, from the house of God, from the Word of God. He would just draw you away and isolate you. Uh, happened even with Eve, if you'll take a look at that. And then he's enticed by his own evil desires. God, God gave us desires, but you use them in one of two ways: you use them in God's way of obedience, or you use them in God forbidden ways but he gave us desires. We're drawn away by those when they lean toward the evil side. We're drawn away. And it says, after these desires have conceived, in other words, we're moving them into action. It gives birth to sin. And then when sin blows up, It's gonna be a gateway to more sin because you're living such a life of deception, you're gonna have to continually cover it up. And it gives birth to death. Do you see that last word? It gives birth to death. Satan knows this pattern. Satan wants you in this pattern. Satan will continually lie to you to get you in this pattern. Are you all awake? Do you feel like pinching the person next to you? I didn't tell you to do it. I just said, do you feel like it? I want you to be awakened right here. Satan wants you in this pattern. He wants you in this system. And he will lie to you to get you in that system. Because we'll get, we'll get into a, a lie about followers of Christ. Predominantly, it will happen with men. I, I, I know who Jesus is. I believe in Jesus, but I don't need the church. Big old fat lie. You can't have Jesus without the church because it's his bride. You don't get me without Julie. You know why, we're one flesh. That's right, that's right. We're one flesh. That's right. So you don't, you don't get me without Julie. You don't get Julie without me. That's right. we're, we're, we're a match. Uh, July the 5th was our first date, and man, I do remember that, 1979. My first date with Julie was July the 5th, uh, and she's impressed too, by the way, so that we, re- we remember that. But do you see what I'm saying here? He'll lie to you. You can believe in Jesus, and you don't have to be a part of a church. That's a lie. There's nowhere in Scripture that says that, that is what you need to be doing. You, you're not, you better be in fellowship with the church when he comes back. You better be. You better be in relationship to Him. You better be in fellowship with the church. Uh, he just begins his lying to us in all kinds of ways because it leads to destruction. Bring that verse back up if you don't mind, James one fourteen and fifteen. Thank you. And it leads to death, and He knows that. Satan knows that it leads to death. Uh, look at Second Corinthians five twenty one Uh, because I want to set this up for you. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Listen, the pattern is sin leads to death. Now hang on, put your thinking caps on, sit up straight. Look at me, give me your eyes, give me your ears. You need to get this, this is the gospel, all right? He, He knows, God knows that sin leads to death. It can, spiritual death, physical death, separation all of them it will do that and death is a part of sin spiritual death physical death separation is all a part of it so this is why jesus had to die i want you to hear this we're going to get a little deeper in our theology for a moment Jesus had to die for this reason. When he took on the sins for us, he who did not know sin to be sin for us meant that all our sins had to bring a death. Do you see that? Yes, no, or are you wondering where you are this morning? Okay, it had, it, all sin leads to death. So Jesus had to die if he's gonna take on the sins of the world, he had to die because sin brings death. And Satan loves this pattern because then he thinks he has you. That's why when you're saved, John five says, you have crossed over, come on with me, from death unto life. And the reason he had to die for our sins is because sin leads to death. But here's something the enemy didn't count on. He didn't count on three days later. See, there's the victory. And you and I don't live toward that victory, we live from that victory. You and I are not living to be victorious. You and I are living from being victorious. We don't, we don't do what we do so I can one day be victorious. We already are victorious because of, because of what he has done for us. So he had to die because sin brings death. But God's like, okay, I'm going to show the world how much I love them. I'm going to send my son to be the death for them, uh, to heaven's very, very best for them. Look at Revelation 12 11. And Revelation it says, they, how do they conquer him, means Satan. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. What brought victory? Christ's death brought victory. And by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives in the face of death. You know what these people did? They took whatever was first place in their life and they removed it and they put Christ there. Christ is either first place or or he's no place. In Colossians, it says he's the preeminence of God. He's the first of God. And you could say, well, I've got Jesus as number two. Well, no, you don't. Because if he's not number one, he can't be number two. If he's, you're saying, well, he's in my top five. No, he's not. He's either first place or he's no place. You got it? Yes, sir. First place. So these people said they loved their lives in the face of death. They replaced whatever they had on the highest of highs and they replaced it with Jesus uh, instead of someone or something that they had there. Um, So he, he deals in death. He's the man killer. He deals in death. It's opposite of life. Do you remember when Pharaoh... The Israelites, they're in captivity, and uh, they're having a lot of children. And so Pharaoh is getting a little worried that his slaves are gonna become more numerous than his people, do you remember that? And there's also a little hint that this deliverer may come along. So what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh gives a decree that all male sons are to be thrown into the Nile, drowned. That way it will decrease the population of his slaves and in our hindsight, he'll get rid of this up and coming deliverer. And isn't it funny that, that Moses was pitched into the Nile but he was pitched into a Nile that had a basket full of pitch. <laughs> and where did he float? To the very Pharaoh's house that gave the decree. Isn't that funny? and we need somebody to raise him. Who are we gonna get? And they ended up picking his mama. Do you, I just, I think it's wonderful. I think it's great. Isn't that wonderful? You think God doesn't get the last laugh? Huh? You think he doesn't get that? So I have zero problem thinking that Satan put that in Pharaoh's mind of just getting rid of the children, especially the men, the boys. Herod he's a he's a paranoid schizophrenic it's true any of his family members he thought were going after his his uh, throne he had them he had them annihilated he had them executed uh, he lived in paranoia he he had heard this deliverer is going to come right and, and they're searching for him. Even people are searching for him. And so Herod gives a decree that all male boys a certain age and under are to be killed. I'll just get rid of all the boys, and that way I'll find this deliverer, this new king that's supposedly coming. Do you remember an angel came to to uh, Joseph in a dream and said you you need to get you need to get you need to get Jesus, and uh, here's you an Uber, and it'll take you to Egypt. You you can sneak out to Egypt, right? And so they they go and and the angel led them away because there is a new king, there was a new king coming and that is the person of Jesus. I have zero problem that Satan did not put that thought in Herod's mind. I have zero problem in it being the, the, the work of the enemy to annihilate the children of our world. I have zero problem with that. You know why? He hates life. He is the devil. He is a man killer. He destroys it. He doesn't want life to even have the chance of being under its God whatsoever. So what we see today is there is a decrease in the value of life. it, it It is right now, you making fun of my dog? Well, I'll just kill you. And you're going, well, that surely hadn't happened. I can drive you to the place in Russell County where it has happened. We just devalue life. It means nothing anymore. There's no sanctity of life. There's no value of life. If we don't like it, let's just get rid of it whatsoever. Some of us may be so busy that we'll just drive right by it. It becomes, it becomes incredible how the enemy has made us to the point there's no value of life whatsoever. It's decreasing. 1 Peter 5, 8, look at this. Be sober, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour or whom he can consume. You're gonna go, well, what's he gonna do with me? Go back to James 1:14 and 15. He wants to get you in this pattern. He wants it there. Boom, boom, boom. There we go, there you go. But each person is tempted when they're drawn away. He wants you there. He wants to draw you away. Next thing he wants to do is he's going to go, do everything you feel like doing. Next thing he's going to do is you're going to move that into action. Next thing is you're going to give birth to sin. Next thing is your sin's going to blow up and you're going to live a life of telling lies and deceit and hiding things and all those kind of stuff. And it blows up and then it gives birth to death because he wants to destroy you. He absolutely wants to destroy you in any way. I I really believe, you're gonna say this, I really believe uh, if the Lord would remove the hedge of protection, he would kill us. That's right, I believe it. Uh, This thief comes to what? Steal and and destroy. Uh, and he doesn't want us around it whatsoever. But what's he gonna do? He's gonna get you in this pattern. And what is freedom? Freedom in Christ is being able to step out of that pattern. I I have victory, I have resurrection power that helps me step out of that pattern. I'm no longer a part of that, but he is looking to consume us. He hates us. He doesn't listen. Can I I say this in a country boy way? Satan doesn't even like the people who like him. (laughs) You, You hear me? He's only using them for a means to an end of reaching his high place. He doesn't love those who say they love him. He doesn't even love them. That's another sermon, sorry about that. You do know the second service, I do have freedom to go longer. You do understand that, right? Okay, since we're on freedom, I'll go ahead and take it. John 8:44. This is where I couldn't wait to get to today. It seems so little, but it is so big. And in the middle of John 8:44, he says he was a murderer from the beginning. He has not stood in the truth. If you've got a Bible, circle the word "stood." If you've got a note, put in the word "stood" in eight, John 8:44 8, as a reminder to you, because here's the beauty of this: he has not stood in the truth. Remember in Isaiah, it says he has fallen, right? He has fallen. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but threw them down into hell and delivered them to be kept in chains of darkness until judgment, he's thrown the angels. He, they're fallen. The angels that followed Satan are fallen. Do you understand this repetition of fallen? When Adam and Eve Fail to the temptation of sin. What do we refer to that as? The fall of man. You see that? He's fallen. When you're fallen, you never can stand. Je- Jesus used this very strategically back in John 8, 44. He used this very strategically. He said he, he has not stood in the truth. He's fallen. His demons are fallen all of his system is fallen it can't stand do you see that don't go thinking that satan has this unified system where everybody's in it it's team don't go thinking that because uh, hate anger and rage can you imagine them riding around on a friday night together in the same car can you imagine doubt and worry trying to get along guilt and shame trying to hang out together I mean, it's not this system that you think is united. It's divided and it's fallen. And you stand, and when you stand, you stand in the truth. And he can't stand. He can't do it because he's fallen. I couldn't wait to get to that part. Uh, so, So, it, 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 the picture here, there's no truth in him. It gets back to John eight thirty-two and 36. Truth is a person. It's the person of Jesus and he stands. In John eight forty-four. another point I wanna bring out to you is he speaks. It says that there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature. He speaks. Don't let this freak you out. Let's just pay attention to, to scripture. And uh, uh, it says, I want to remind you, he spoke to Eve. Okay, he spoke to Eve. He went to the Lord and spoke about Job. Now the Lord is the one who presented Job. But he came to the Lord to discuss about someone to curse him. It, it's, we know that he spoke to Jesus about Simon Peter. You remember there was a time where Jesus and Simon Peter were encountering and Jesus said to Simon Peter, Satan has asked me if I could sift you like wheat. And then there was another time he spoke through Simon Peter, being Satan, spoke through him. You remember when Jesus is saying, I've got to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be arrested and I'm going to be killed and I'm going to be raised on the third day? Hang on. Simon Peter puts his arm around Jesus and calls him off to the side and he rebukes him, can you imagine that? And so Simon Peter rebukes Jesus and said, Jesus, you don't have to do that. Now, come on with me. I'm gonna reach into your Sunday school right here. Jesus turns around and says, get behind me, Satan. Because Satan was speaking through Simon Peter. He didn't want him to go to the cross. You understand? Yes, sir. So it, he he not only speaks to us he not only speaks about us he can also speak through you. He speaks through you just like he did with Simon Peter. And you're going, well, I don't know if he speaks through me. Well, He he, he used people in the 12, I'll just tell you. Uh, they were Jesus' closest group. And he walked in the midst of them when it came to two or three of them. Uh, and he, it's not about he can't walk around with you, so he speaks. And then lastly here, he he lies. He's the father of lies. And... and in fact, the context here is Jesus is saying to these believing Jews that he's lying to you about who your father is. You think your father is Abraham? It's not Abraham. The father that you need to declare sent me, and everything you need is standing right here in front of you, but yet you declare Abraham. He's, he's, he's lying to you and he will lie to you about Jesus, uh, and he will lie through you to other people, he will do that, he, he is the father of lies. The word lie here is pseudo, which we know as being false. It can be a picture of counterfeit or opposites. Look, let me give you a biblical reference, uh, Genesis 3, 1. Let me just go there. Now, the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? Uh, he, he, he's, he, he lies. He will lie about God. The world will do things to you. He'll get you to believe in God did it. He'll lie to you about scripture. We have tons and tons of belief systems today that say Jesus would do this and Jesus would do that and they have no idea of the Jesus of scripture and they're saying Jesus would allow this and Jesus would allow that when it doesn't match the characteristics of Christ himself. And we just think he's gonna be blessing everything. He, he will have you uh, believing lies not only about God and scripture, but about each other. Look at Ephesians 6, 12 for just a moment. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. That's right. And he'll have you mad at everybody in the world you'll get to thinking, well, that group right there is my enemy, that group right there is my enemy, and that group right there is my enemy. Look at what scripture says. Paul said, my battle is not against flesh and blood. I drive a Chevy, I can't help it if you drive a Ford. See how we do that? So you're not my enemy Look, what my, he says, our enemy is against rulers and authorities and worldly powers of darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. You're going, well, Jeff, there are people out there that believe some of the craziest things in the world, and, and I, I just don't want to be around them. Let me help you with this, okay? I, I say this in new member training, and some of you all forget it. But I I really run our church, by the way, everything I told you in new member training, I lead our church. And here's, when I see somebody, I don't see them as uh, two political or three political entities. I, I don't see them as being my enemy. When I see somebody, I see them one or two ways. It's either somebody that Christ already lives in or it's somebody that Christ has died for. That's the only way I see people. And yes, there are some people who believe some of the strangest things I have ever heard. God rest my mom, okay? My mom believed that if you put a bar of soap at the end of your bed underneath your sheets, it would take care of your rheumatoid arthritis. And you know what? I bought her a bar of Irish spring soap every time. She tucked it in the corner. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. But it doesn't have anything to do with theology. You understand? There's crazy things out there. And we'll get to looking like the people that don't agree with us are our enemy. Listen to me, he wants you to go reach those people that you think are your enemy. You and I were once his enemy and he died for us and he adopted us as his sons and his daughters. You see that? You're going, well, that's a group I need to be against. I'm telling you, that's a group you need to, you need to let the Lord let you move into it. It's either someone Christ died for or it's someone Christ lives in. Scripture says, flesh and blood are not my enemies. I hated my pastor at one time. Hated him, Dr. James Jones. I mean, he got the last laugh, He, he did our wedding. He ordained me and licensed me into the ministry. But I I would go, listen to me. I'm telling you straight up, man. I'd go to business meetings just to vote against whatever Dr. Jones was for. It's the truth. Headstrong. Even got there early. If he was for it, I was against it. And man, I want to tell you, That man is closer to me as family. Uh, You know why I didn't like him? You know I thought? Because he would tell me the truth and he knew God had a call on my life and whenever he had the opportunity, he never called me in his office, but whenever he had the opportunity, and I, I didn't like him because he was getting in the way of my plans. Do you understand? And, and God does that with me. He puts me in the midst of people. I was at Walmart one time and I was in line and there was a lady that said, do you know that preacher at Hope Church? Up, up? I said, uh, yeah. And they said, uh, she started telling me all the things she didn't like about him. And I said, there's been a time or two I haven't liked him either. I I, I never told her it was me. I mean, she's just telling me everything that's wrong with me. You know, and I I just sitting there letting her tell it. And uh, I didn't know her, she didn't know me, but she knew everything was wrong. I said, you know, there's a couple things in there you're probably right about. You know, I agree with you. And I never let it go. Listen, flesh and blood's not my enemy. You're going, well, there's Russia and Ukraine. They're, they're physically fighting against each other. We have physically fought. Guys, I'm just telling you, the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. I'm, I'm telling you this, you gotta listen. Uh, and the picture here is that he will lie to us about God, about scripture, and even about each other. My wrestling is not against you. It's not against you. Uh, People are either someone Christ lives in or someone that Christ has died for. Let me give you two simple patterns to know the enemy's working on you. That wants to get you into that system, James 1, 14 and 15. And uh, I want you to look at Galatians 5, and 23. We won't go through all of it, but it's the fruit of the spirit. If you wanna see where the enemy's dealing with this, instead of loving, you will end up hating. And I will go ahead and say this, if hate is in it, God is not, okay? I just want to tell you: the uh, only thing he said to hate is is evil. Uh, joy, and the opposite of joy is sadness. The opposite of peace is just strife and and discord and worry. And the opposite of patient is impatient. And you can do the rest of those. He deals in opposites so that he wants to flip every bit of that in your life, every bit of it. Uh, l- let me give you a country boy way of doing this, of how the enemy thinks. It's not rocket science, okay? If, if you're saved, he wants you thinking you're not. And if you're not saved, you finish it. He wants you thinking you are. you are. It's not that hard. If you're saved, he wants you thinking you're not saved. And if you're not saved, literally not saved, he wants you thinking that you are saved. So freedom doesn't mean that the, that the enemy quits lying to me. Some people going, well, I'm not living in freedom because these lies are still coming. It doesn't say that in scripture. I, You and I will be lied to until I go to glory, you go to glory, or the Lord comes back. We will be lied to. Uh, you, some people think freedom means there's no suffering or problems. That's not true. Jesus said, tomorrow's got enough problems of its own. And there's suffering. You really can't follow Christ and not be involved in suffering. It's there. Uh, so what do we do? You're going, what do we do? I want to give you practical, uh, second Corinthians ten five. five, give you something practical here. In every, and every high minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to obey Christ. I've got to take that thought and go, is that a truth or is it a lie? And then if it's the truth, then I've got to do obediently what Christ would have me to do. And I've gotta match that back even to scripture. Uh, So we take every thought captive to the, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We're able to do that. James chapter four verse seven gives us this picture. It's a three step picture. Uh, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But the word submit here means place yourself under uh, the lordship of Christ. In other words, he's first, right? I place myself under him, under the lordship of Christ. The problem with our culture today is we wanna skip to number two thinking we'll get to number three. But if you don't do number one, you're not gonna get to number three. Okay, if you... If you pass number one and go, well, I'm just gonna do number two and get to number three, number two and number three not gonna happen. You've got to submit yourself to God and his lordship, but the word resist here is incredible. Listen to this, I am so excited about this, all right? It means stand. Didn't I just handle that? Jesus just said, Satan cannot stand in the truth and you will stand in the truth. James 1, 14 and 15, 40, 11 times I've used it already in the last few Sundays. He, it, that, he, he, you, you step out of that. The way you resist the devil is you have the resurrection power to step out of that. I can step out of that. He has crushed that for me. I don't have to be in that system. I'm not a slave to that system or even that pattern. He pulls me out of that. So when you and I submit to the Lordship of Christ and we resist him, we're stepping out of that going, you're not gonna get me in that pattern. You're not gonna do that. You stand, right? Am I doing this right? Thank you. You stand. You stand and it says the enemy will flee you. And what it means is he doesn't have a foothold. You know why he doesn't have a foothold? Because you're not in that system. You know, be angry and sin not. Check your anger. The sin, anger is not a sin. But keeping it past the day is a sin. So you got to check it. And then it says the last thing there, lest the devil have a foothold. So when you get into James four seven, you get into that. Submit to God. You're standing against the devil. You're pulling yourself out of that power, out of that pattern. The pro- the power of God allows you to do that, and he'll flee from you because he doesn't have you in that pattern. If he has you in that pattern, he doesn't have to flee. You got it? Yes, sir. He has that pattern, and and he's just continually lying. He just you end up. You know, you gotta watch what you believe. Can I, can I tell you my dream last night? You're gonna love it, all right? You're gonna love it. I dreamed that I was a middle linebacker for the University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm not kidding you. That was a dream. Now, hang on, hang on. I was 63 years old, but I had the body of when I played college baseball. All right? I was wanting to make a calendar for Julie. I just want to be honest with you. So, so I, uh, in, uh, I was playing middle linebacker. We were playing Florida, and I still say Commonwealth Stadium, Kroger Field, and. You're, you're thinking I'm making this up. This is I dreamed this last night. So uh, I was playing middle. My number is 53. I don't know what that what that meant. I guess it's 10, ten less than 63 with me being 63. So I'm playing middle linebacker, and I've, I've got my reads. I used to play linebacker a long time ago. So I'm, I'm doing my reads, and the quarterback drops back, and so this left this left side linebacker handles the the, the flank or the flat right in there, and so there's this there's this receiver going down the sideline. So I see that receiver and I'm reading the quarterback and I'm, you know, back pedal, back pedal, you know, shuffle back, shuffle back, shuffle back. That's what you do as a cornerback and a linebacker. Shuffle back, shuffle back, shuffle back. And so I'm reading, I go over and I intercept the pass on the sideline. It was awesome. I'm just going (laughs) to tell you. And so I'm running and I don't have a clear run to the end zone. It's about, we're about the 50, 45 yard line. And so I dodge and do some juking, you know, like you do on Madden, you know, you get the juking on Madden. And then I score a touchdown. And uh, I did. And we beat Florida 26 to 19 at the Conwell, And I can remember watching the replay in my dream from a drone. There's a drone flying over me. It had to re- it's pretty, it's just. I, I woke up. I was pretty pumped. I just. I, I need some protein and some creatine. You know, I'm ready to go. Uh, but l- listen, let me tell you, that's all. It's funny, but they're not a bit of that true. <clears throat> you understand? And it, I mean, and you think this is silly, but the enemy will slip stuff and say stuff to you, and it's silly, and you'll get to believe in it. Just like he's still believing, he can match the most high. He's a prince, he'll never be a king, there's only one king and that is he's king of kings and he's lord of lords. You understand? So just listen, take every thought captive. I laughed at, it. I told Julie this morning, I told her the, you know, I, I told her that I was 63 but I still had the body of when I played college baseball and I was, I, I, I want you to know, I came to church a little mad because I was hoping, well honey, you still have the body of it. but that never happened. She never said that. You hear me how we can get to believe in silly things? Listen, you are a child of God and the hand of God is on you. And the hand of God means the victory of God. And don't we're not we're not working to victory. We already have it. Live like it. We're, we're living from victory, not to victory. He's already victorious. Satan is already defeated. He's already been let down, you get it? And let him use you, tell, let God tell his story through you. There's people out there that's frustrating, they'll talk about you, they'll plot against you, they'll persecute you, but you love them anyway. They're either somebody christ dies in, you can treat me any way you want. But you're gonna know who my Lord is and who my King is and who my Savior is and you're gonna know. You get it? You understand? The world needs it. Whew, hang on a minute. You got it? Submit yourself to the Lord. Resist the devil. You stand because he's fallen, okay? And he will not have a foothold in your life. I want you to listen to me. Listen. I love you, God. I love you. I don't want the enemy to have you. I don't want his grip on you. I don't want his grip on your children. We do a lot with children here because we want them living in truth earlier than we did. I don't want the enemy to have a grip on your marriage or your family, your mind. I don't want him to have a grip on your mind. That's why Jesus came Sometimes it's frustrating being a preacher because nobody listens. And he wants to destroy you. He called me to be a preacher to tell you, you don't have to live destroyed. You can live victorious. And Christ has made it all possible to you. If you're in that pattern of sin, the power of God, the resurrection power of God can destroy that pattern and pull you from it. I'm asking you today, submit to God to his lordship. Stand in the truth of who he is. I'm not working toward victory. I'm working from victory. Victory's already happened. And then he will flee. He will not have a foothold. I just want you to surrender to that today, okay? Let me pray over you. Father, there's so much destruction around us and uh, so much death around us, spiritual, physical, so much, such a lack of, of value of life, sanctity of life. And Father, um, I thank you that you are one who promises life, abundant life here, eternal life there. We don't have to pick one or the other. We get both. Thank you that we have that. Father, use us individually as your church. Use us as a world of people who are just living deceived. And through your Holy Spirit, give us insight on how to give them a taste of your freedom that you give. Empower us, Lord. We submit ourselves to you, empower us. We stand in your truth, Lord, even when it's not popular when nobody even agrees, we stand in your truth and we believe that you are raised, you are lifted on high and you are the most high. And Lord, we know then the enemy doesn't have a foothold. Forgive us, Lord, of where we have succumbed to his deceiving, his lies, his deception and the foothold in our life. Release us from there today. Lord, our prayer is we submit to you. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and we pray together, amen. I have asked the team to sing the second song that they did today because it has so much of the sermon in it again. And uh, the invitation is this, whosoever will, you come today. There are people here to pray with you, pray for you and pray over you. You come as the Holy Spirit brings you and draws you. You come. Church, would you stand when you do that? Counselors, find your spot and then uh, you respond, you come.